On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. And on today's episode, the Masters, Tiger Woods, who would have known he'd be where he's at at this moment? You got to look at the NBA playoffs. The Timberwolves are locked in their slot. How do we feel about that? And then, of course, coming up on the show later, we got Braylon Edwards, former first-round pick, and then the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. But first, before we get into the show, a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. For all the sports developments, including this week's Masters odds, podcasts, and reviews from all the different leagues this season, BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends and actions. I know with BetOnline, for me, looking at the end of the season bets, you got to look at giving the Warriors 14 points. It was a sure, easy bet for me. Who is really going to play this hard when you know you're locked into the number three seed? But understand, Bet Online is going to give you the odds that you need, the information you need, and also the ability to follow the score throughout the game to keep track of that bet. Bet Online is your source for all your betting needs. And now, as we jump into the Ron Johnson show, I'm going to bring in Sam Ekstrom. Sam, how's it going today? You know, yesterday, talking about bet online, I think I touted uh, the Wolves minus eight and a half last night, and yep. that went badly right at the end. It was looking good, <laughs> and then Anthony Edwards started uh, started gunning threes, uh, shooting for 50. Yeah, that's the bad beats that people hate. You know, you look at, I saw the Kentucky game. I don't know if that was this year or years ago, but, you know, I think they were, were plus 11, and they were up 10. Guy steals the ball in the wide open court, 10 seconds left. Instead of dunking the ball, he just stops. And then his team is yelling because he's a backup, go dunk the ball. He dunks it. They go up 12. Everybody who picked Kentucky would have won uh, plus the 11 points. But, ah, the kid did not understand it, which tells me that he's not gambling for his own team. So that's good because we know what happened with Calvin Ridley. But as we jump into this show, the Timberwolves are set at the number seven seed. And the question was posed, is it fair? Is this fair? And when I think about fair, I have to think about what's fair? Like, is life fair? No. Is the world fair? No. Is the world going to give us exactly what we want when we want it? No. So the Timberwolves are faced with a team in the Clippers. I personally think it's not fair. Even though the world's not fair, I think this is not fair. You've earned the right to be the seventh seed. They should be the eighth seed. Um, if you want some kind of play, I don't even think the play in, like if you're nine, 10, no, you're done. Go fishing, go to Cancun, be done. But you look at the Timberwolves versus the Clippers. And, and this is why it gets scary now in a, in a, in a playoff scenario like this with the bracket, the Timberwolves are two and three versus the Clippers. The Timberwolves have been outscored 551 to 563 this season. So it's been close, but each game has not been close. The scores have been close because each team has blown each other out by 15 to 20 points. 
You look at the Clippers win November 5th. They overcame a 10-point deficit in the first half. They're the only, that's the only time in this series that the team losing in the first half had came back and won. Every other time, whoever finished the first half off in the lead, they won. So it was 2-2 two and two up until that point when the Clippers finally found a way to come back on the Timberwolves. You look at Paul George, his 24 points a season. He's only played 30 games, though. You look at Reggie Jackson, his 17 points, which leads the team because he's played 74 games a season. But here's the scary thing. Kawhi Leonard is possibly coming back for the playoffs. And so the question is, is he going to play in this play-in? Is he ready to go? Or is he going to wait and see if what seed they get? Like, is he just going to let them play it out and try to get the seventh seed and then come back to play the Grizzlies? I mean, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm mad at that. Like, why all of a sudden do I have to face Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two of the best defenders in the league? I think for the Timberwolves, that's again, you put Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in there, now you're facing two of the best defenders in the league. So that's when the Timberwolves are going to need the entire big three because Paul George is probably going to, between the two, one of them is going to try to eliminate Anthony Edwards. The other one is going to take another person, but they're also going to play that switch off on D'Lo. And then Carl Anthony Towns. So Carl Anthony Towns has to be able to go out and give you 30 to 40. Uh, I had Trent Tucker on the radio show and Trent Tucker mentioned, you know, playing with Michael Jordan or playing against Michael Jordan when he was with the Knicks and he had Patrick Ewing. And he said, they used to tell Patrick, like if Jordan's going to go out and get 30 to 40, you have to go out and get 30 to 40. So you can neutralize that big, that big score on the other team. And then let the bench be able to help you. But if you're big, if you're number one, which is Carlin D towns only gets 20. And then Paul George goes out and gets 30 to 40. Now you need more bench play. And, and I think that's why I don't like this matchup, them having to play them this early. I think they earned the seventh seed. I, I think that it's, it is unfair, um, but life's not fair. This is the hand they've been dealt. Um, I think they hope they get the Grizzlies, but then if they do drop down to eight and then they get the Suns, and they still have, when they drop down to eight, they still have to knock off the winner of the nine ten. So it's not a guarantee. They can go from seven to at home in Cancun, and that would be the biggest meltdown, I think, or one of the biggest meltdowns in uh, Timberwolves history that people are never going to forget if that happens. If all of a sudden they go from seven to ten or seven to nine, fans are going to be absolutely pissed off. I mean, that's not going to be a fun you know, weekend for the Timberwolves faithful um, as people are just going to kill them. You know, one – you know, you look at Anthony Edwards, we could talk about that later. You know, you brought it up, his 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 demise down the stretch, trying to get 50 points, uh, giving up unnecessary baskets just to, you know, shoot another three-point. Reminds me of myself at Lifetime Fitness. When we're up 14 and three, <laughs> playing a 17, I'm the same way. I'm jacking up threes for the logo because, one, I want to win in grandiose fashion. But also, I was just like, man, we're up 13, three to uh, 14. Everybody jack up a three. The team was giving him rebounds as well. So we'll, we'll get into that later in the show. But Sam, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you do you like this plan? Do you think it's fair? So I like entertainment and single elimination formats are entertaining. Like in baseball, if two teams tie at the end, they get a one game play in. And that those are some of the best baseball games. The Twins have been a part of some of those um, in, you know, March Madness, single elimination throughout. The NFL, single elimination. People love tiebreaker games. They love one and dones. And in a series, if it gets to game seven, where winner advances, loser goes home, people love those situations. So I get the appeal of why they created the tournament. But this year, if we're talking about fairness, the Timberwolves are five and a half games better than the Clippers. They're nine and a half games better than the Pelicans. And they're 11 and a half games better than the Spurs. Here's how I would tweak it. Ron, 
the Wolves should not have to play the Clippers. The the seven should play the ten, and the eight should play the nine, and the lower seed should have to win twice. That's I think the most fair way because the the I Wolves like have earned the right to have a a Spurs team that's thirty four and forty six because the Wolves were that good. They shouldn't have to play a legitimately good and strengthening Clippers team. And if Kawhi plays in that game, that's basically the three seed from last year. I mean, that's the full strength yeah. of a really good title contender last year that the Wolves are going to have to get stuck playing. So that's a really bad break for them. And I think they need to tweak the format to reward the better teams in that play-in so that a good team like the Wolves isn't left out in a random one-game situation. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard reportedly has been at practice dribbling, you know, working out, you know, around there. People are saying, do you bring him back and risk further injury? Uh, do you wait and try to save him for next year? Because, you know, at, at the eighth seed, do you really actually have a chance to win something now? So is it worth uh, possibly re-injuring that? You know, kind of like Kevin Durant when he came back uh, with the Warriors too soon, people felt like, and he tore his Achilles. You know, re the re-injury sometimes is worse than the original injury because you're ready to come back. Same with Adam Thielen. You know, coming back too soon for that game, he ends up having to have season-ending surgery as well. So, you know, we we can we can throw out a bunch of reasons why Kawhi Leonard shouldn't come back. One, because the Timberwolves shouldn't have to see him. Um, you know, but two, injury. What's the purpose? You know, is that really going to help you? Do you really think you can beat the Suns? And that's the that's the thing. Like you said, at full strength, they are the three C from last year. So in their mind, maybe they feel like they can knock the Suns off because the Suns, people feel like they're a hit or miss team. You know, when they're really hot, they're hot. But when when they're not, you know, hitting on all cylinders and and Devin Booker is forcing it, they're they're not what what they thought they were. In which that's what you saw what the Bucks took advantage of last year. You know, when when you can figure out ways to slow them down, they're a beatable team. And maybe that's what the Clippers are thinking. Maybe the Clippers are thinking, you know, let's go get the Grizzlies. Who, if we have two of our best defenders, we can neutralize Ja Morant, um, and also show that we're veterans and really just put our veteran presence in this game and the Grizzlies being new to this. So I, I think that's that's why this whole thing is perplexing. I, I think I like to play in for the simple fact of um, not in the NBA, but I think high school. You look at the Minnesota High School League issues with North Minneapolis having to play a team that barely played, I don't know, seven, eight games, and they beat them like 120 to four or something like that or 144 to four. That's when you should have a play. You should have a plan with like the four lowest teams to have to then go up and then get into the playoffs. You sh those that lowest lowest of the low should not play the best. The first should get a first two should get a bye. Let those lowest of the lows play each other to see who's better to come up. Because then maybe it's a better game if the lowest plays the second lowest and and vice versa and so on and so forth. You're not seeing these 144 to four blowouts, but that has nothing to do with the NBA. That's just me on my rant. Um, but coming up on the show next, we're gonna have Braylon Edwards. But first, a word from our sponsors. I've got a massive sweet tooth. I love candy. I love sweets. I love desserts. Um, my one-year-old got an early Easter basket, and I stole his candy. I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit it. So uh, when Built Bar comes out with these chocolate-covered puffs, I'm like, give me some. And then I find out that they're actually good for me. Um, yeah, that's a huge bonus. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. I'm not sure if that's a word, but... They're still just a protein bar, and yet they're covered in 100% real chocolate. I don't know how they do it, but they've got the cinnamon, the coconut, the banana cream pie. Uh, Built Bar is unbelievable. 
and still healthy. So go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. They're high-protein, low-calorie, high-fiber, low-carbs. Built Bars have the following stats. This would be on their, on their sports card. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to the usual candy bar, 240 cals, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Built Bar is better every time they nail every recipe. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Now on the Ron Johnson Show, of course, I had to get my little brother on the show, Braylon Edwards, former first-round draft pick. In 2005, I was at the draft party. I watched the draft because, one, I was hoping the Bears didn't draft him because I was with the Bears, and I didn't need him coming in, taking my spot. Uh, but, Braylon, man, I want to welcome you to the show. How is it going, man? Ron, what's going on, big bro? Uh, it's going extremely well. You know, I'm in the simulcast space, too. First of all, what up, though? Got to start with what up, though. <laughs> um, simulcast space, too, man. So just a lot of work, man. Pretty young. So we were just talking about that before we got on. Just working hard, man. I want people. I think a lot of times with athletes, when we get into this space, they, you know, the pundits, the people, the listeners, the, the naysayers, they want to knock us down already and say, hey, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They just played the game. But so it. You guys like me, you, we do a lot of research so that when we come on here, man, we we know what the hell we're talking about, whether it's basketball, which I heard you break down, which is amazing, your Timberwolves take on the playoffs, or whether it's hockey, whether it's baseball, we got to know what we're talking about a little bit more than other guys. So you know how that is, just working hard. Yeah, man, appreciate you. So let's jump into this, man. So the NFC North, you 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 know the Lions well, you're there. I see you got the D on. Um when you think about the NFC North adding coach Campbell to the lions supposed to change the culture, all this other stuff. And they did play hard. I'm going to give them that they, they beat the, the, the Vikings at the end of a game. They shouldn't have, um, they were always competitive. It felt like they were always in every game. But when you look at this NFC North, as it stands, do you see the lions jumping? Cause we know the Packers are one, but do you see the lions jumping ahead of the bears or the Vikings this year? I, I don't. Um, I, I see the lions, playing better I, you know one of the big things i had one of the big issues that i had with brad holmes and dan campbell is they bought a lot of guys back from that running back three and 13 in one season and i understand you want to bring back some of the identity because they play well at times but they didn't go after guys that can enhance a young brand like it's okay to bring back young guys and have that identity and have guys that will just listen and they're happy to be on the team but you got to get those guys that can also come in there as a bobby wagner as a tyron matthew you need a couple guys that can help expedite that process. So I was a little disappointed with that. I think they win six games this year, but I don't think the uh, Green Bay are the odds on favorite to be number one this year. I actually like the Vikings, and I'm not saying that because I'm on the show with you. I like the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, I was in New York when he was on a, know. Was on, yeah. was on a team. So I've known Kevin O'Connell now for the better part of 12 years, like what he did out there in uh, Los Angeles, and I like what he's going to be able to do with Quesi uh, Adolfo Mensa. So, yeah, so Kevin O'Connell, he was a quarterback there with the Jets. What what kind of quarterback? Because, you know, I haven't had a chance to sit down with Coach just yet because we're just getting into it. We just had our first show Tuesday. But I'm going to sit down with him at some point, so I want to be able to bring this up. But what kind of quarterback was Coach? You know, what, what, what was Kevin like as a quarterback? So the good thing about it is one thing I like to do in order to get reps with Darrell Reeves, in order to get the main reps with Antonio Cromartie and get those reps with those guys, you got to do scouting. And I didn't mind mm -hmm. doing that. So playing scout team, I got a chance to get a lot of passes from 
Kevin. Kevin was a you know, West Coast guy. He was laid back. He was chill. He knew the offense. He knew what it was supposed to look like. Whoever he was implementing or he was imitating that week, he knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what his job was. He knew what the assignment was. So we would just have fun. He'd say, hey, brother, I need you to do this. Sometimes we would deviate from the cards and run all type of stuff, and Darrell would get mad, and Crow would get mad. But I had a lot of fun with him. He knows the game, and he's just dialed in, man. And you see, he goes, he goes out there to Los Angeles and trains on Sean McVay. So I think you guys have got a really good coach, man, like a damn good coach, also understands offense, and he understands what the job is each game. Yeah, and when you look at the NFC North, I mean, it, it used to be a, a ground and pound when we were growing up, you know, Barry Sanders, you look at Walter Payton, uh, you know, you look at the Vikings, you know, it was, it was, it, it, I think until 1998, maybe is when you start to see, because Robert Smith was the original running back for the Vikings and all of a sudden, 98, yeah, you get Randy Moss, it becomes a passing game type of team, you know, Herman Moore starts to come into his own, uh, the Packers start to throw the ball with Brett Favre, and so it starts to open up. So when you look at the quarterback play, because that's what's most important uh, in, in the NFL period, we know that. Where would you rank Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, and then uh, Jared Goff? Jared Goff. Uh, obviously, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. Now, he can't get it done in the playoffs, but we're just talking about the regular season. He's typically the best quarterback in the regular season. So you got to go with A-Rod, number one. Shout out to 2005 draft class, even though I'm taking shots at him. Um, number two, you know, Kirk Cousins is number two. A lot is made. Everybody wants to blame Kirk Cousins. Everybody, it's his mm -hmm. fault. He can't get over the hump. Sometimes that's true. Last year wasn't the case. Offensive line destroyed Minnesota Vikings as well as injuries. You look at Adam Thielen, who I heard you talking about before I got on. You look at Dalvin Cook, was in one game, out the next. So I think injuries on offensive line really hurt Kirk Cousins. Um, so you got to give him more credit this year. And then Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a guy that Sean McVay and the Rams, they said all out. They didn't believe in. Said they didn't believe in. They sent him here. Brad Holmes picked up on him. And I think he's serviceable. I think he's serviceable. I still have him above um, Justin Fields because okay. Matt Nagy was my guy. Matt Nagy was a, a, a you-know-what type of show last year. And what he did with Andy Dalton and then bringing in Justin Fields, it was just terrible. But I think so. You have to rank him that way. Aaron to Kurt to uh, Jared to Justin. But depending on what they do out there in Chicago this year, a lot of people are excited about that. I think Justin has a chance to go from two to four by the end of the season. Mm, okay. So when, when you're thinking about um, what this NFC is going to be and what the Lions have to do, what do the Lions actually need to do? I mean, is it drafting a quarterback? Like, what do they need to do to become a, a team that can win nine to ten games a year? Uh, everybody's talking about this Malik Willis too. Listen, I understand, you know, that Chiefs and Bills game has everybody won that type of quarterback. You want a guy that's – exclusive is elite you know a guy that's special a guy that can run by a guy that can pass a guy that can get you out of trouble like Mahomes like Josh Allen I don't know if Malik Willis is it I could be wrong about that and that's okay but I do know that Kayvon Thibodeau is a monster out of Oregon I like what he has mm -hmm. I don't like the narrative that is out there about him you know how those narratives are they would try to destroy individuals just because he cares about himself off the field. He cares about moving forward. I learned this from Jerome Bettis. You know, that's our that's the that's the big OG. JB yeah. told me this a long time ago. He said, Hey, care about the thing that's gonna make you money, and that's football. And I know Kayvon Thibodeau cares about football. That's how he can do the NFT stuff. That's how he can do the crypto stuff. So I don't like that narrative. I think he's the guy you go out there and draft. You get to the quarterback, you help yourself. You got a really good offensive line. You got a decent backfield. You got a quarterback that's sustainable. You saw that in Jared Goff. I mean, he was over 100 QBR the last four games that he played the season. So go out and get Kayvon Thibodeau 
with the second pick overall. And then with that 32nd pick, I like Boye Mafe. That's another yeah. Minnesota guy. Yeah. Sure, that defense up. Your offensive line is sustainable. You got three Pro Bowls on the offensive line. You got a really good back and swift. Jared Goff can make it happen. You went out and got DJ Chart. So you got to draft well. And I, when I mean draft well, Kayvon Thibodeau, not Malik Willis, and then Boye Mafe, I would like at 32. Also, no year two rookie mistakes. You saw Dan Campbell from taking over the offensive uh, play calling and not knowing what he was doing essentially early in the year. You saw the two games early in the year. One was against you guys where they blew the game, the first one against you. Should have beat Minnesota Vikings and ended up losing 17-19 on a long field goal at the end. Did the same exact thing with the Baltimore Ravens. Should have beat them and end up giving up a 66-yard field goal to break the NFL record with Justin Tucker. So don't make any of these second-year rookie coaching mistakes. Hey, we let you get your feet wet. Now it's time for you to get better. The other thing is run the ball. Yes, it's old school. Run the ball. You have to run the ball. Just like the Vikings got to get a ball to Dalvin Cook. That's your best weapon outside of Justin Jefferson. But push the ball down the field. I'm tired of hearing about this old Jerry Goff can't pass the ball down the field. He's not a deep ball thrower, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear this. Get the ball down the field. What the hell are you going to do with DJ Chark's 4-3? If you're not going to push the ball down the field, nobody will be scared of you if you can't push the ball down the field and you do the same typical Lions thing. And then last, keep that same defensive energy. Because what people don't realize is the Lions, 19 and, I mean, 19 and 17 against the Ravens, 19 and 17 against the Vikings, 30 to 12, they beat the Cardinals, 16 to 20, they lost to the Falcons, 16 to 14, they lost to the Bears, 17 or 16 to 16, they tied with the Steelers. That defense played outside of themselves last year. So keep that same energy. That's the keys for the Lions. Yeah, and so you, I heard you talk about DJ Shark, Chark, and you look at pushing the ball down the field. In the NFL, we're seeing some monster contracts right now. Stephon Diggs, $124 million, you, six years. Huh? <laughs> I know, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, I, I'm, I'm, Me and Reggie Wayne, that's the first thing Reggie Wayne said. Like, Man, if Reggie Wayne, and I, that's why I can't wait to get him on the show so he can tell me. I'm not going to even throw the number out that he said. I'm going to let him say it. But if Reggie Wayne was in today's game, just the money he would garner. Uh, it, probably. I mean, when you look at his his consistency. So thinking about receivers of that upper echelon, you know, the Reggie Waynes, the Marvin Harrisons, the Terrell Owens. Nowadays, you know, you hear about Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, so on and so forth. Who is your top five NFL receivers right now? Ooh, he came straight at it. Okay, okay. Let's see what we can do here. Um, I think Devontae Adams has to be number one. I think one one is what you do on the field, and I've talked to a bunch of DBs, and DBs all consistently say the person that they look up and don't want to go against or the person that's the hardest to go against is Devontae Adams. Not only is it what he does in the red zone. I mean, he's a touchdown machine, but also, man, at the line of scrimmage, you can't cover Devontae Adams. Like Devontae Adams puts you in so many places where you get afraid. And you know what it is to have the mind of a DB round where you get to the line and you're just having fun. You're like, oh, I got this guy. I can go in. I can go out. I can go deep. I can go short. So you got to go Devontae Adams with the consistency of what he's done. Uh, Cooper Cup, I mean, Triple Crown. And I know people want to make much about it. It was only one season. You go back and look at some of his stats. He didn't have a 1,000-yard season before that, I don't believe. But you don't get 1,900 yards, man, off nothing. You don't become a triple crown leader off nothing. Matthew Stafford was able to go to him because he was there. He's probably the receiver in the end of it. He's probably the receiver. He is, in fact, the wide receiver in the NFL that understands the position and understands what the, what the concepts call for, what the quarterback is looking for, what the defense is going to do. And having that knowledge, you know, you can't take away from that. So I'm putting Cooper Cup two. Three, DeAndre Hopkins. I understand he got hurt last year. Look what happened when D-Hop got hurt. They were 10-2, and two, 
and they faltered all through the season, lost the rest of their games, and up losing in the playoffs. D Hop is he's that guy, and he's pissed this year. Like D Hop's mad. They forgot about his name. They're talking about Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup. He's pissed, and he's been very quiet. You always got to be scared of the guy that's quiet. So D Hop is still number three for me. Number four, Justin Jefferson. Two years in a row. I don't care about that young stuff. I care about what my two eyeballs tell me. My eyeballs told me that he balled out two years ago. And in the last two years, Adam Thielen has been battling injuries. Adam Thielen hasn't been the same guy. And it's not necessarily his fault. It has been injuries. But he hasn't been the same guy since Stephon Diggs has left. Doesn't matter Justin Jefferson. He goes out there, hits the gritty, hits the touchdown dance. He gets it popping day in, night in and night out. Justin Jefferson is dependable. And then number five, I got to go with his college teammate, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, I know it's only one year. I know it's a rookie year. He's fearless, Ron. Like, he's fearless. He can run every route in the route book. He can run every route in the route tree. Fearless, tenacity. Look what he did in the Super Bowl. Look at that catch. Look at the last play of the game. If they don't have the best defensive player, maybe in all time, next to LT and Reggie White, he's wide open for a game-winning touchdown. Like, that tells me who he is. He's fearless. He doesn't care. He runs every round. He has hands. So I got to put him five. And then right outside there, I got Tariq, Debo, and Mike, uh, Mike Evans. I look at Tyreek and Debo, they're more like great players. Like Debo's a great player. Like you look at him, 359 yards rushing. Tariq Hill, same thing. Like I don't, they don't strike me as just receivers. They strike me as damn good football players. Well, yeah, you heard it first from Braylon Edwards. Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen got the snub. But it's no, tough to always put 10. a guy in the <laughs> nine ten. Nine ten. Keenan <laughs> Allen got a and it's, Keenan Allen. And it's funny, like you you, you won't be able to see my good. list, but I had the I had I had a similar list to that as well. Um, but Braylon, man, I want to thank you for joining the Ron Johnson show. Braylon Edwards, you heard it first. In my opinion, the best receiver to ever come out of the Big Ten. Uh, one of the best receivers or the best receiver to come out of the state of Detroit, Michigan. He went to my high school, ended up going to a different high school because, I mean, my high school didn't throw the ball. Braylon made the best decision ever. Went to University of uh, Michigan. Now you can check him out on Woodward Sports. So go to YouTube, check out Woodward Sports. Braylon Edwards does a daily show with them. He is the co-host. He does a great job. I've been on the show. Looking forward to the season. Coming up next, the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. Take it away, Sam. There were probably some tears in the Ron Johnson house last night. The Minnesota Golden <laughs> Gophers, after having a one nothing lead in the Frozen Four against Minnesota State Mankato, they give up five consecutive goals, and for a second straight season, Mankato ousts the Gophers in a four-goal victory. So, Ron, um, what's your reaction to another Gophers disappointment and the the drought now is going to be 20 years without a title for Minnesota. So I'm gonna I'm give respect where respect is due. I'm, I'm gonna give it to Mankato State or Minnesota State Mankato. They did a great job. Um, the ole 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 ole. I'll give it to them. Like I, I I you guys have it. You are in the state of Minnesota though, so I I'm also rooting for them to win it all. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to see it was good hockey. They just were dominant. I didn't get to watch it all. One, I don't have ESPNU, so I didn't get to watch it all. I caught it here and there on some illegal streams that people were throwing up and, oh, you can watch it here, click here, but then they want you to like watch it for three minutes then pay for something and download their app. So, you know, after a while, I, I just start watching Twitter highlights that the Gophers and Mankato State's hockey teams are posting. Uh, so that's where I was kind of getting my info from. Um, I, 
this is the one thing I said it on the show. I said if the Gophers get up one nothing at the end of the first, it's going to be their game because Iceland is going to you know shut down. But Gordon Bombay, you know, he's going to have him a blonde. He's going to, except for this, what didn't happen. Gordon Bombay betrayed the Gophers. He stayed with the blonde. Iceland found out the secret. They were in the creases. They were pushing the, you know, they were grinding it out. They just, they were a better team. The funniest to me of the night though, was on Twitter. Um, I tweeted a bunch of jokes because I'm not a big hockey guy, but I, I, I love to get into it with fans and watch it and listen and love it. So I was making a bunch of a Mighty Ducks references. Most of the people got my sarcasm. You know, somebody tweeted back to me, that's the best joke I've heard all night because I did the whole Gordon Bombay, you know, in the blonde. For those who don't remember the Mighty Ducks movie, he was dating the assistant coach or something for Iceland. And so everybody felt like he betrayed the team. He started slicking his hair back, blah, blah. So I was making jokes about that where the Gophers were the Mighty Ducks times U Team USA. And then Minnesota State was uh, Iceland. Well, this guy comes out of nowhere and just and his name now I get it. He's a Mankato hockey guy. He was absolutely upset. Watch the game. You don't know what you're talking about. Watch the game before you tweet about stupid scores. And and I'm literally like, dude, I really don't care. Like I literally don't care. That's why Twitter to me, it, it's I, I would love to talk to that guy face to face and have the same discussion um, because he's dumb. Like you're arguing with a guy who literally just tweeted, "Let's do this hockey." Like that was my hashtag. Let's do some hockey. And you really take me serious? Like I really am that diehard of a Gopher hockey fan that like my life is gonna end. And then I knew I had him because when I said sorry, I, I'm not able to watch it. Um, I had to get home to watch my wife and kids. I could only stay in the car and listen to the the broadcast for so long. He's like, oh well, I had to pick up my ex-wife or my I had to pick up my son for my ex-wife. And I was like, I could have had him because I'm a lunchroom arguing guy. I could have had him right there and just really hurt his feelings. But I'm like, you know what? It's too much bullying on the internet. I let it go. So at the end of the day, I'm a gopher fan. But at the end of the day, too, I'm a sports fan. I enjoyed it. Uh, I love the interaction on Twitter between the Cato uh, fans and the gopher fans. It was funny to watch gopher fans have my back when that guy was going crazy because they were like, hey, we know hockey. Let's talk. Uh, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to attack me. But, you know, do what you do. I do like college hockey when the Gophers aren't dominant, too. I like it when St. Cloud is right there, Mankato's right there, Duluth's right there. gives the Gophers something to uh, – it gives the rivalries more weight, and it gives them something to aspire to. Uh, Tiger Woods yesterday, I watched every single shot. He shot at a very – I don't know if it was an ugly 71. It was a workmanlike 71. He scrambled all over. He hit it into trees sometimes, but – he just saved pars all day, and he finds himself tied for 10th place in the Masters at minus one. He's three shots back at the moment. Ron, your reaction to Tiger Woods' return? Yeah, you know what? After that gruesome injury, the car accident, clearly nothing wrong, just a tired guy. I mean, we've all been there where we just push the limits and we shouldn't be driving. Um, you know, there was nothing in his system. There was nothing, you know, just gruesome. And then to think his career is over, we see him playing with his son, you know, Tiger and his cub. And then, you know, he makes the announcement, I'm back, Michael Jordan-esque. And then you see the gallery, the crowds watching him just for his practice rounds. Um, I can't imagine what Saturday is going to look like if he's still in this. And so when you look at him at 10, three shots back, 
Uh, I think I think the goal for today is, a, you know, he has to be, you know, probably two under, two or three under to really, because today is when guys, yesterday guys got the feel for the course. Today is when guys are going to start attacking the course. And you're going to see guys take some Bubba Watson type chances and, and try to bend the corner and try to really, you know, really just get as close as possible in, 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 in danger of that, you know, that much. Like I'm going to, I'm going to risk it all because I have to, you know, I have to go Eagle here. I have to be putting for Eagle here. Um, and, and that's where Tiger, you know, he even said it. He said, you know what? Swinging is not the problem. He said, it's the walk. It's the, it's the walk, you know, that whole course it's, it, you know, it's not easy, especially coming off an injury. And so I, I think that's going to be, I, I still think, some of these rules need to be changed. If you're on IR for a golf, you should be able to get a golf cart, like, or at least a motorcycle cart. Like, I get it. Like, the whole shorts. Should they be able to wear shorts on the court? Like, there's too many. They're, they're almost baseball-ish. They're worse than baseball. But it's just too many rules. They finally changed the drop the ball rule. You know, now you can have a free drop and place it and blah, blah, and it doesn't have to be, you know, this close. And you can redrop it. You can place it. Like, some of these rules, as hard as golf is, a, a millimeter – is not going to change a shot. Like if a guy moves the ball one inch forward or one inch back, it's not going to change the shot. I, I think sometimes we get too crazy with it. But, but Tiger Woods in this thing, I, I felt like a kid again. Like I felt like this college kid sitting up watching Tiger just dominate, people scared of him. Uh, you know, when, when he shows up for warm-ups with the hat backwards. I mean, he was a scary sight. And, I, and I, it's good to see him close. I think – the prowess of Tiger and just the the stigma or the aura around him. If he's close, if he's in that top seven, top six, I, I think he has a serious chance to win this. Yeah, I couldn't believe how he just kept finding ways to save par. And I don't think the way he played yesterday is sustainable. Like, he only hit nine greens in regulation. You got to have more mm -hmm. birdie putts um, to win a golf tournament. But after what he's been through for him to play that competitively when a lot of people were getting buried by that golf course. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's in it as well, but you're right. Day two is going to be critical because he's just as close to the lead as he is to the cut line. So if he's plus yep. three instead of minus three, it could go the wrong way. Uh, Twins home opener after a delay yesterday or a postponement. They are back on today, 3 p.m. First pitch temperature. 41 degrees and there's a little bit of dusting of snow on the ground here in minneapolis uh ron how cold is too cold for you to attend a baseball game are you going to bundle up and go to target field it depends it depends on where my seats are like if i you know i have some people that have some pretty good seats um that often offer them to us uh in the i think it's the lexus club or I forgot what it is um but it's the club right behind the home plate um, last time I went, that's where I was. So you get the food before you come in. You get the valet parking. Uh, that, I don't care what the weather is because I'm going to go inside. I'm going to come back out. Then I'm going to go inside. And I'm going to come back out. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the nice, cush, relaxed seats. Uh, but I'm going to also go back inside and, and have some food. Now, if I'm up in the, you know, the beer section right next to like the vodka, you know, station and all that stuff. And it's, you know, 30s. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Give me, give me the sweet. Uh, the Lexus Club or whatever it is, the club, you know, level down there behind home plate. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it at 40 degrees, 41 degrees. I'll bundle up and, you know, enjoy a nice a nice day at the ballpark. But, yeah, if, it, if I'm just sitting out with, with the wife and some friends and, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, I don't even know where we are, depending on where our seats are. But 
yeah, it's got to be in the 60s, 50s for sure, but 60s for me. I need to be in, you know, I, I'd rather take 70s, 80s, give me some shorts, T-shirt, and a hat, some sunglasses. Like, that's what I think of baseball. This is not baseball weather. Down in Texas, uh, Arizona, uh, California, Florida, uh, that's baseball weather. What I see on ESPN right now and, and some of these games, like the Diamondbacks, I think, had a big walk-off. Um three-run walk-off, that's that's what baseball looks like right now. You turn on the broadcast pregame, it's going to be snow in some of the shots, especially the wide hole, you know, the stadium shots, the city shots. If I'm in Arizona watching the Twins, you know, and I'm looking at warm-ups and the overhead drone shot, and I'm like, that's snow. Like, I, I, is this October? Like, give me the playoffs with snow, fine, but not opening day. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, this this town is known for cold sporting events. The Vikings obviously had the famous playoff game against Seattle. Um, the Wild had that sub-zero winter classic at Target Field earlier this year. I, I'm not as hardy as I once was. I, I couldn't tolerate certainly the sub-zero stuff, but even the 40-degree mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I, I went with some buddies to the United game last Saturday, and that, that I think, was 43-44. And I, I shivered through the whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm someone that needs to bring a blanket into the stadium now. I'm that person. So I think I, unless the game is huge in terms of importance, if it's like pennant chase, playoff game, October baseball, I think I'm in for that. I'm not in for the April stuff. There's too many more games. There's too many more games that are going to have actual meaning. Um, I'll pass on this one. Bonus question for you. We, we touched on it earlier, but Anthony Edwards last night was gunning, going for 50 points. And as he was and kept shooting and missing, the Wolves' 13-point lead shrunk to four in the closing seconds, and the Spurs actually had a chance because the Wolves were goofing around. Uh, so, Edwards, fun or selfish with that uh, those last couple minutes there? Well, when you look at who's behind them in the Clippers at 40 and 40, I don't think it mattered. Like that, I think that's where they were at at that point. It didn't really matter. Um, again, we talk about momentum, though. Momentum going into the playoffs, that's huge. Uh, for the simple fact that they might have to play the Spurs um, if, you know, everything, if they lose and blah, blah, and Spurs win. Um, I, I, I think it's fun. I, I think the fact that his teammates were, like I saw Carl Anthony Towns get a rebound and kick it right back to him. The fact that his teammates were doing it too, so whether it was the coach over there that knew what was going on. I mean, every coaches aren't dumb. Players aren't dumb. They know what's going on. Uh, you know, they all look up at the scoreboard and they see, oh, you know, he's at 47 or, you know, whatever. You know, that that's that's where I, I say, as long as the teammates are fine with the, the, the result, who cares about the fans? Who cares about what we think? Like, it's about his teammates and his coach in that locker room. That's all that matters. I think we forget that. Um, from a selfish standpoint, I say for the gamblers, I know they think it's selfish because at 13, they're like, you know, okay, I got this. They're going to, they're taking that ticket. They're looking at betonline.com. They're like, oh, yeah, we're about to cash in. No, I'm not. What are you doing? Like, I can just imagine people throwing their phones because you can't, like, you don't have a paper ticket. So if you're looking on your phone, like, I've seen people ball up <laughs> tickets at the racetrack and throw them. People were throwing their phones that really put decent amount of money thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is a Spurs team. The you know, Timberwolves want to go into the playoffs hot, which they were hot until Anthony Edwards realized he can get 50. So I, I think it's fun. Selfish for the betters, though. Crowd absolutely seemed to love it. Uh, teammates seemed to love it. I don't think they even realized what was happening until I'm sure their coach <laughs> mentioned something to them. 
but yeah, you're right though. The game was at that point pretty meaningless. Um, Denver won the game last night, so the the seeds are locked in, and now they can rest up in the finale and get ready for the plan. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. That's my producer, Sam Ekstrom. We want to thank you. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube to the Locked On Sports Minnesota, and you will get every episode, past episodes, as well as clips that have been uploaded to YouTube. Also, you can subscribe or listen wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining, and have a great day.